Today, we're going to talk about something critical that each and every one of us needs, and that is encouragement. Hi, this is Eric Hurd, and my podcast is called Relationships by the Book. So why that title? Well, I lived 18 years of my life apart from God, apart from His Word, and my family was one of the most dysfunctional families to grow up in, and we didn't understand relationships. And when I came to know Christ, it absolutely transformed me from the inside out. And I began to understand God's wisdom because I dug into His Word and I saw how much He had to say about relationships. I've been a pastor now for over 45 years, and so this podcast is really an accumulation of the wisdom God's given me in relationships that I want to share with you. All right, Eric, how are you doing? You know, Michael, I am doing really well. Well, thank you for coming over. This is actually our second take. We had an interruption. The kids came running in, and they were so excited to see us, we decided to stop what we were doing. I'm glad we did. Well, when grandparent or grandkids come into the room, you don't uh, ignore them. There's no way. <laughs> so, hey, we just started over, and we're doing just fine. Yes, we are. And I am having such a good time mm. on this podcast endeavor with you. This is only our third episode, but I love that it's uh, given us the opportunity to just work on something together. But I love the feedback that we're getting from our friends and our family and new listeners. And so um, I hope you're enjoying it too. How, what do you think? Oh, come on. I When I think about coming over to your house, I just get a smile on my face. And it's because the fact that I get to do this with you. Um, you are one of these people that... Uh, if I could use the phrase, you put wind into my sails. And because uh, I've always felt there's two types of people. There's the people that put wind into your sails, but then there's the people that suck the wind out of your sails. And you're such an encouraging, affirming person. I saw that from the, the day I met you 13 years ago and you married my daughter. I've watched how you've treated her, now raising your kids, my grandkids, and Man, I just love being with you. You are an encouraging person. <laughs> well, I feel affirmed. So if I could return the affirmation, everyone knows that I, I, or not everyone knows, but you know, I have this image of you in my mind where I've seen you at the cafe at Mariner's Church and you go from morning with someone to five seconds later, you're celebrating with someone and then you're praying with someone and then you're sitting down just having breakfast with someone and you have that ability to just meet people where they're at in their moment and it is encouraging too so if we can ex exchange affirmations here that's one for you well, i appreciate that that <laughs> sounds good i was not always like that oh really yeah because that that's really if if i could say uh, foundationally you know um if we want to be an encouraging person, we got to get outside of ourselves. And I was so broken down. I was so hurting as I was growing up. Uh, everything centered around me. I was this victim. I was abused. I, I saw myself in a, in a really ugly manner. And so the idea of encouraging somebody else, um, you know, I, I just got back from uh, a treatment center that I, I visit uh, what some would call clients, but they're really family. And I'm sitting in this circle and I asked uh, this group, I said, uh, what inhibits people from encouraging? Because it's such, it's life-giving. And, uh, and some of the answers were eye-opening. One of them was uh, selfishness. And that was me. I was selfish. Mm. Others, uh, jealousy. 
You know, in other words, I see in somebody something they've achieved or something they're good at, whatever it may be. I don't want to encourage them because, my goodness, I'm not as good as them. So I'm, I'm jealous, I'm envious, whatever it may be. Yeah. There's a lot of inhibitors to encouragement. Mm, yeah, absolutely. That's interesting. So you were up at Liftoff today and you got to speak on this same topic, encouragement that we're talking about today, right? Yeah. So it's fresh on my mind. And you know what I really want to, this is what I hope and, and pray for is that out of today that we would be motivated even more to be encouragers uh, because it is lifeblood. It is what people need. And, uh, and there's so many different ways to do it and so much benefit from you know, in encouragement. Mm. So what led you to choose this topic this week? You, you, you've used it today at, at the uh, treatment center and, yeah. and we're now we're doing it in the podcast. What led you to that? Well, it's just, you know, um, I, I'm in a wonderful church. I've got an incredible family. I've got beautiful friends and I'm one of the most encouraged people in the world. And, and it's interesting about encouragement is that when you receive it, you want to give it because you know what it feels like to you. Mm. It's interesting that God, you know, because he's all wise and he made us and he knows what we need. One of the things he tells us in scripture, it's just simple, encourage one another. Now, why would he command it? It's an imperative command. It's because he knows at, at the heart of who we are, we need it. Mm-hmm. And so I wanted to speak on it because I know it's a basic human need. But again, most people don't get enough of it. Mm, yeah, absolutely. I feel like I'm a very encouraged person because I love to encourage other people. And uh, I, I always find it, I don't know why the word energizing keep, just keeps coming back to my mind, but I'm, I'm energized when someone encourages me. Maybe that's just my personality type. Mm-hmm. But if someone is to maybe discourage me, it takes the wind out of my sails. Well, if you've ever been around somebody, and there's a great verse in Philippians 2.14 that says, do all things without grumbling and complaining. If you've ever been around somebody who's maybe grumbles all the time, life doesn't go well, complaining about this or that, you know, or, or they're gossiping or, you know, they're demeaning. Man, it's hard to be around somebody like that. I hate to say it, but I've been that person at times. Mm. Uh, Certainly early on in my life, I was that person. And no wonder I didn't have deep friendships. No wonder there were people that didn't want to be around me. I was not an encouraging person. Mm, Interesting. I wouldn't have guessed that about you. I mean, you've told me a little bit about your past, but it's still hard for me to picture you in these other seasons of life where you weren't who you are today. Because, I mean, the last 13 years that I've known you, you've been pretty darn consistent in who you are. And, you know, you have amazing character. It's I think that's why people are drawn to you, why you do so well as a pastor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, well, I think there's a little bit of a myth is that somehow, well, I just don't have the gift of encouragement. Excuse me. <laughs> it's not a gift. It's something you develop. You know, I, when I think about, you know, encouragement, I think about intentionality. I wake up in the morning, who am I going to be meeting with? Who am I going to be able to encourage that, you know, it's kind of a divine appointment. I didn't even count on meeting with them, and yet I could pray for them. I could say a word into them. I could speak something into them that would be encouraging. I'm very intentional about it. Another thing is I'm way more loving today than I used to be. <laughs> Again, I'm not a 10. Only Jesus is a 10. But... Um, Really, to be an encourager, you have to let go of 
of selfishness and you have to be selfless. You have to think about the person you're meeting with and what is it that I see in them that I can encourage. So there's the love uh, aspect of it, selflessness. There is the intentionality. And then there's the opening the eyes and the opening of the ears. It, it, there's a discernment you see and you step into that moment to encourage the person. Yeah, I could totally relate to that. But um, let me ask you, how did you develop your, you know, you call it the gift of encouragement, but the skill set mm. and to, you know, you were talking, I'm sorry, just, yeah. How did you develop that? Yeah, I think it was, uh, again, uh, I, I, I really studied, you know, how, do, how are people encouraged? And, and today I want to just share with you five, you know, impactful, you know, uh, intentional acts of encouragement like one of the ones i've experienced and i've been able to step in with other people is that it's the whole area of the fact that we all live in a fallen world and uh and uh, we can help lighten a person's load in this fallen world through encouragement i i remember experiencing something uh years ago when your wife happens to be my daughter when she was six years old uh she had her six-year birthday party and right before her birthday party, I got a call from my mom's doctor that my mother had, had really taken a, a turn for the worse and that uh, she was going to have to get off life support. She just had hit the wall. And my stepdad couldn't make that decision. And the doctor said, you need to make that decision. And the only day he could do it was on the same day as Crystal's birthday party. And I remember, God, why? Why this? And so I said, okay, we'll take her off life support. So I told my wife, I'm going to have to go to the hospital in the morning. And I told my mom I would be there the moment that she died. And, uh, but I had to make it back and, uh, and, and host this party for about 36-year-olds. Oh, and one of the hardest days of my life. But I remember that uh, the night before, my wife said, hey, don't forget, you promised to plant flowers in the flower bed in the morning. And I was so mad at my wife but she was wise. She knew I needed to do something so that I wasn't obsessed with taking my mom off life support. So I'm out in front of my house at 5.30 in the morning planting pansies. <laughs> and I'm just stewing, knowing what I got to do. And my neighbor, <laughs> still emotional to this day, he walks over and he has a cup of coffee, two cups of coffee. And he goes, so what are we planning today? And I go, oh, I'm planning this, this, this. He goes, okay. And for the next hour, we cleaned up that flower bed, took all the weeds out, and planted all the flowers. <laughs> he never said a thing. My wife had told him about my mom. And his encouragement was the presence of him in that moment. And so I had to go take my uh, wife uh, or my mom off life support. And then I came back for the party and it was crazy and 36-year-olds in the pool and jumping and food. And at the end of the day, my heart was heavy. And I just remember sitting on the couch and Crystal <laughs> walks over and she lays her head in my lap and she looks up at me and she goes, I miss her too, Daddy. I mean, that is, that is encouragement in a fallen world. It was never God's intent that people get sick and die. And, and encouragement, just the presence of somebody, a note, a letter, flowers, 
you know, going to the memorial. You know, encouragement lifts a person who's living in a fallen world. You know, I was thinking of, of a second way, and, and this one is, you know, again, something I've experienced, but it's, it's encouragement helps us to have a better sense of who we are. You know, one of the things, I was a youth pastor for 25 years, and I knew my own story, that I never had a sense of myself because nobody spoke into me words of strength, words of character. And so what I intended to do is to do that in the lives of students. And I remember one student, uh, this guy, uh, um, uh, David, or Todd, I'm sorry. And I had this beautiful opportunity when he was in junior high. His mother was a single-parent mom, and he couldn't get to church. And so I said, well, I'll pick him up. And later his, his brother, Todd, uh, or David, joined us. And so we would ride to church. And one day I said, so what do you want to do when you get older? You know. And, uh, and Todd said, I want to be a pilot. I said, awesome, you're going to be a pilot. He goes, oh, no, no, no. And he gave all the reasons he couldn't. Hmm. And for the next six years, as I was a junior high and high school pastor, I just spoke words of encouragement. And, and what I saw in him is he started doing really well in school. And I actually had the privilege of writing his recommendation to Annapolis. He later went down to Pensacola, Florida, became a, a, a jet fighter pilot. And his career just escalated. Now he's a family man, kids, beautiful marriage. But he and I look back just saying, you can do this. And, and that opportunity that you have, you know, to, to speak those words of encouragement. I, I just, I love that because it helped, it helped him to have a better sense of himself. Because without his dad, without other encouragement, he didn't have a sense that he could do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If that makes sense. Of course. Yeah. I mean, when I receive encouragement or affirmation in an area of my life, I mean, I think it, I naturally lean into those areas of my life where someone says, excuse me, you're good at this. And then an opportunity to do whatever that thing is comes up. I I might be more confident to step up to the plate in that situation. That's interesting. So well, this he, is why people have have uh, strength coaches or physical, you know, uh, fitness coaches or business coaches. Is that we need people that speak into us, speak the truth, but they they keep encouraging us. You know, like I, I have a golf coach, and uh, I mean he's awesome because when I do really well, he goes, "That's it," and it's just like, "Yes," you know, I'm doing it right. Mm-hmm. But there's, there's life skills that we need. There's, there's a future that we have. We need people to speak truth in us. We need, we need those encouraging words. That's so cool, that story about the student that went on to become a pilot. Yeah. You know, but there, there's another reason encouragement, why, why this matters to me, why I've studied it, is um, early on, I, I, I would receive encouragement. That felt good. I would give encouragement. That felt good. And all of a sudden, a light bulb went on. Why does God command for us to encourage each other? Because both the giver and the receiver benefit. Now, Michael, you're going to remember this story because you were there. Okay. Do you remember the, the other night we had dinner at our house and uh, that beautiful little granddaughter, Sage, we're, we're sitting having dinner and all of a sudden she goes, I want us to do affirmations. And I looked at this little five-year-old granddaughter. She had the biggest smile on her face. I said, I said, yeah, we'll do that. Well, she kept making sure we did. And finally, we had to do it. And we sat around as a family. 
And what was so cool is, I forget if it was you or Debbie said, okay, Sage, uh, affirm, you know, and she's supposed to affirm. She goes, no, I want to hear you affirm each other. Yeah. And as I watched her, she had as big a smile on her face when we were encouraging each other and as she was encouraging us than when we turned and encouraged her. And it was this kind of light went on. Both people benefit both the receiver and the giver. And so, you know, that was something I learned early on and why I've continued to make this, a, if you will, a discipline in my life. Yeah, so for those of you who don't know, we have a tradition in our family that I think has kind of gone around our church because other families do this too, but every birthday we go around the table at, at a birthday dinner and we, we all say words of encouragement to the person whose birthday it is. And so obviously Sage has seen us do that on birthdays and she really enjoys it because she asks us to do it on random, you know, family dinner night that we do at Eric and Debbie's. And uh, it's so cool because we just finished Christmas a few weeks ago and it's a challenge as a young dad to teach my children what Christmas is about when they're so excited for the presents under the tree. And that's something that's kind of wrestled in my mind. I've been wrestling with in my mind since Christmas is I got to teach my kids more about value. You know, we should go down to Tijuana and help build a house so they can see that other kids don't may not have a Christmas tree or gifts under the tree or whatever it is. Mm. And but then you just reminded me, you know, I'm encouraged that she does have some other understandings of value. She values those moments as a family when we encourage each other. That's it. it. It bonds you. It's it's glue in the relationship. Well, you know, there's something else, Michael, that that you know, like uh, for me, as I as I I've thought about encouragement, it really encouragement can fuel a person's destiny, much like that that young man that I talked about, you know, to become a pilot. I mean, I've been the recipient of people who saw in me things that I didn't see in myself. Mm. I've shared before with others that um, uh, my youth pastor. Um, who led me to Christ. Um, I was headed off to UCLA. I was going to be a math and science major. I, I wanted to uh, be a, a structural engineer and build bridges. And he said, no, 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 you're going to be a pastor. And I looked at him. I, I said, no way. He said, oh, yeah. He said, in fact, Eric, you need to, you need to not go to UCLA. And he, and he pointed me toward Biola, which is a, a Bible college. And back in 1974, I changed colleges i was able to get in went four years there six years to seminary and i haven't looked back that was 48 years ago what is it that you think he saw what sparked him to speak into you like that i think it was my passion to see people connect with god to to start a relationship he saw in me a compassion that i had for people who had suffered like me you know in other words he saw my pastoral heart and i didn't notice it but he noticed it. So this is your youth pastor. You were in, you were attending a youth ministry? Yeah, when I was 17 years old. And I just became a Christian, received Christ. And, uh, you know, here's this dr- former drug addict, drug dealer. So I think in my head, how could I ever be a pastor? <laughs> Look at what I did. And, and I was a liar, a cheat, a thief, a womanizer. And how could God use me? Mm-hmm. See, but somebody who has the gift of encouragement sees something in you you don't see in yourself. And so it literally can, can change a destiny. I mean, I, I, I just want our listeners to stop right here. 
Think about why you're where you are right now. First of all, God has orchestrated your life for all the things you have, the people that you've met, the circumstances that you have, the opportunities. All of that is from God's hands. But think about human beings who have been in your life. Could be a parent, could be a sibling, could be a friend, a neighbor, a teacher. Somebody spoke into you and it literally it, it, it carved out your destiny. And I certainly have been a recipient of that. And I've been also a giver of that. And it's, it, it's, it's a joy either way. Mm. Yeah, that's cool. So is there, um, well, I guess I, I always like to hear your, you know, I've asked you in so many conversations where we talk about different subjects, areas of life, whatever, you, when you point me to the Bible and there's an example or a story. So mm. I'm just curious where, I know you've got some Bible verses there. I'm curious where we're going into that. Is there a... Gosh, there's so many great stories where, where, where encouragement really fueled somebody. I, yeah. I was thinking, because I love to go to Greece, I take uh, tours to Greece and, and love to see people open up their eyes to the places that the Bible talked about. It, it's like when you read the Bible, it's in black and white. When you take people to the places these things happen, it's like color. Mm. And, uh, and so I'll take them you know, to Greece and then we'll head you know, to Ephesus and Philippi and Corinth and and, but when we get to Ephesus, it's one of the most beautifully excavated sites. And it was in Ephesus that Paul started the church. And then he met this one young protege. And his name was Timothy. And as a young teenager, literally Paul turned the church over to him. And, and I just think of what he said to him. I mean, there was a lot of wisdom he gave to Timothy. But, you know, he, he said, don't let anybody look down on your youthfulness. But he said, in, in your faith, purity, you know, in your wisdom, in other words, your actions, let people see who you are. And, uh, and so I think about how he spoke into Timothy, you know, in, in 2 Timothy uh, verse one, verse, or chapter 1, verse 7, he said, God did not give you a spirit of timidity. So he must have seen in Timothy this shyness. I never realized he was a teenager. Yeah. He said, don't, you know, God did not give you a spirit of timidity, but of power, love, and a sound mind. Whoa. And he turns the church over to him. And what did, what did Timothy go on to do? Grew, with his... that, he was the pastor of that church. And as to his long-term future, I don't know. But I do know to have the Apostle Paul as your mentor, <laughs> as your coach, oh my gosh, it shaped, it shaped Timothy's future. Sure. And kid, I'm sure as a young man, Timothy goes, who am I to take over this church? Now, it wasn't a mega church. It, it was a house church. But still, at his young age to take over a church, it must have been incredibly, you know, uh, if you will, intimidating. Sure. But again, Paul believed in him. And so that's why I, I'm uh, about encouragement, you know, that it, uh, it's so important why I've studied it. And, and there's another big thing, and that is encouragement instills hope. Again, there's a beat down in life. I mean, I've, I've enjoyed some of the best things that life can offer. But on the other hand, there is, there is a pain in life. There is a, a weight in life. There is a sadness. There is sickness. There is death. There's confusion. There is evil. And, and as a pastor, well, a human being, I experience that every day. Mm. 
And there are people that then come in, and I can be that for other people who just instill hope. This isn't the end. We're going to walk through this. And um, I was sitting with a, with a young man um, yesterday, and just that feeling that his marriage was over. And But I've walked with so many young men like him. And I, I've listened to his wife, and I, I beautifully see her willingness to reconcile the issues, to work on the marriage, to reconcile, renew, and rebuild it. And so I can speak into him and say, I really believe that where you are and where your wife is, there is hope for a great marriage in the future. It'll only get stronger because both of you are humble and willing to grow. So, so I'm able to encourage him and to instill hope. And, and so that's why this subject to me is so important. Not only does God command it, but it doesn't come natural to us. It's, again, something that's learned. And I've learned it over the years, and I'm never going to stop using it. Is there ever a, a moment where you would withhold it? Well, I, again, I wish I was Jesus, but I'm not. And there are some people that may um, rub me the wrong way. Hard to be around. They're the, they're the wind suckers. And so um, I've noticed in my flesh that I withhold encouragement from people who have hurt me. Mm, so it's Pe only in, in the flesh. So are you, when we are in tune with the Holy Spirit, we're in the right set mindset, it's, there's, it's always appropriate to encourage others. It is. It is because you can find something good in anyone. Mm. And, and so in, sometimes the people that have hurt me, misunderstand me, slandered me, I can still speak a word of encouragement. I can still pray for them. I've got a question about that. Okay. Yeah. So you said you can still find a place to encourage them. Because I feel like sometimes what I f stumble into doing myself is I'm a people pleaser. I want people to like me. Like you've, you've said this before, you know, I'm, I'm guilty of... I want to be loved, right? So sometimes I'll say encouraging words that I'm maybe not so intentional about. I just, mm. you know, they're rehearsed or they're, you know, they're easy for me to say. But finding ways to encourage others. What's that what does that look like to you when you're sitting in a conversation and you're looking for a way to to encourage someone? You know, uh, the beauty of the Holy Spirit for the Christian, we have this this Holy Spirit that speaks to us. And, and guides us and comforts us and gives us wisdom. And, and so oftentimes as I'm, you know, before I'm meeting with somebody or engaging somebody, he'll, he'll, he'll reveal something, you know. And, and again, this is why, you know, those three things I talked about earlier, be intentional, be selfless, open your eyes, open your ears, and encouragement just flows. Mm. And I find that if I'm in sync with the Spirit, if I'm not walking in the flesh, but I'm walking in the Spirit, encouragement just comes because what does the holy spirit want to do he wants to encourage everyone and and the fact that he resides in me i'm a vessel of his encouragement to others and so he'll reveal ways i can do that that is so cool i'm so glad i asked that question that was so impactful to me i love that you know i, I hope uh, all those who listen uh i've learned it in my life and i'm never going to stop using it be intentional about it. Wake up every morning. And I, can I share a quote? This is from one of my favorite authors. In fact, when I was asked the question the other day, um, who are you most looking forward to talking in heaven? Well, obviously <laughs> the answer is Jesus. But there are certain people I want to meet. One of them for me is C.S. Lewis. 
And uh, in his book, The Way to Glory, he wrote this, It is a serious thing to live in a society of possible gods and goddesses, to remember that the dullest, most uninteresting person you can talk to may one day be a creature which, if you saw it now, you would be strongly tempted to worship or else a horror and a corruption such as you now meet, if at all, only in a nightmare. And then he says, all day long we are, in some degree, helping each other to one or other of these destinations. It is in the light of these overwhelming possibilities. Is it, It's with the awe and circumspection proper to them that we should conduct all of our dealings with one another, all friendships, all loves, all play, all politics. There are no ordinary people. Oh my goodness. So I have this power of influence through the gift of encouragement. And I'm either sending people toward God or I'm casting them toward the enemy. That's powerful. That is powerful. And if you want to look at that quote in more detail, we'll include it in the notes. I know there was a lot packed into that. You bet. Um, that, yeah, so that's C.S. Lewis, the quote? Yes. And he's an author. Yes. Very cool. Awesome. Well, uh, another great episode. I love that we got a chance to talk today. I'm encouraged. And um, I think my big takeaway is that those three points you made that you, you got to be intentional, selfless, and keep your eyes open. Yeah. And, and that, you know, and then also, I guess, being in tune with the Holy Spirit. Yeah. And then encouragement just comes naturally from there that. There you go. I love it. All right. Okay, my friend. Thank you. Thank you.